Hey friends, Pastor Brandon here, and we are so excited that you logged on to stream our sermon content here at Community Covenant Church. We pray that it is uh, helpful, enjoyable, and that will help you grow into all that God has created you to be. We have other ways that we help you grow here. And first, that is through our gatherings on the weekend. Um, and it's also in groups as we gather together as the church uh, beyond the weekend. Um, and we are applying this sermon content and the gospel to our lives. And and then lastly, through mission opportunities, both serving inside and outside the local uh, church. And so what we pray is that this sermon content uh, is in no way replacing a meaningful relationship between you and a local church, whether that's our church or another one in our area. Uh, we just would pray that this is supplemental to you and not a replacement of a meaningful engagement with a local church. And so just praying uh, for you as you continue to grow and pray that God continues to uh, help you connect to a group of people that love you and know you. Blessings. want to grab your Bibles, right on your seats there, uh, Luke chapter 24, we're going to be going to that page number 879. Um, and uh, as always, if uh, you don't own a Bible, uh, that is our gift to you, so you can take that with you on your way out. If you come here every week, uh, don't steal. Thank you. Um, and uh, also, um, again, why we put Bibles on the seats is so that you can know that I'm, make, I'm not making this stuff up. Right? You want to be able to see uh, that I am talking from the scriptures, that I'm not just sitting in my office somewhere coming up with fun things to say and trying to lead you that way. Uh, but what we're trying to do is come to maturity in Christ together, go to the scriptures each and every time, and ask God that he would uh, speak to us. We, we, we spoke to him in worship, and now we, we wait for him to speak to us through the scriptures together. So we're going to be in Luke 24. Um, when I was... Uh, uh, well, really, a long time ago, there's a, there's a preacher named Billy Sunday, and he had this analogy um, when he spoke, and he said, if you were to get hit by a Mack truck today, where would you go, to heaven or to hell, right? And it was this, this massive conversation. If you were to get hit by a Mack truck today, where would you go? And I, was, I remember thinking as a kid, whenever I hear this question, I'm like, what an unfortunate turn of events, for someone to come to church and to walk outside, and I, was, I remember always thinking, like, you, you know, when you walk outside, you walk into a parking lot, what are the odds of a Mack truck coming through the parking lot at a rate of speed high enough to kill a human being? Like, what, I, and I just, I just always remember, like, logically trying to break that down in my head. I'm like, what are the odds of someone actually getting hit by a Mack truck as they left the church. And, and on top of that, I would say, like, I mean, honestly, yes, of course. I'll say yes to whatever you want me to say yes to. If, so just in case, uh, if I do get hit by a Mack truck, I want to get this whole thing taken care of. I mean, like, I really want to get this thing settled in case that stray Mack truck comes through the parking lot at a rate of speed enough to kill me, right? And, but then the other thought that popped in my head was, 
what about the other 99.9% of us that are fortunate enough to make it past that metric? What do we do? What do we do? And I really think that really, that comes, that comes, uh, that comes into the conversation for us as followers of Jesus. It's, it's not so much when we make the decision, we will make a decision about whether we go to heaven or to hell. We will make that decision. But what do we do the other 95 years that we're here on this earth? Does the resurrection matter just for that moment, or does the resurrection matter for all of our days on earth? Does the resurrection have anything to do with our day-to-day, or does the resurrection just get me some sort of insurance for that moment? And so I, I, remember, I just remember kind of just kind of getting into this battle back and forth. Is what kind of application or what kind of invitation does Jesus offer to us for today and how we live? And so the, the whole point for us today is that we need to live like Jesus is alive. It's, it's one thing for us to die like he is alive and to make that decision and to become followers of Christ for the sake of being with Jesus upon death. But, but what about the other days? What do we do with those other days? And so, so we have to live like Jesus is alive. And in order to do that, we need to be shaped by the resurrection. Our lives today need to be shaped with the implications of the resurrection. So Luke 24 talks about the whole thing. And, and there's this moment where, where after Jesus' death, I, I mean, you, you would expect when people die, they die, right? I mean, I, not too many of us have seen the other thing take place, right? We read about it and we've heard about it. And, and actually, there's, there are events that happened in other countries where this actually has taken place. But for us, Jesus dies. But then three days later, he resurrects. And there's all sorts of of stuff that takes uh, place here in Luke 24. But we're going to read right after the event, right after they discover that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. There are these men that are walking back home from Jerusalem uh, back to their home in Emmaus. And and, and, and they pick up uh, like this in verse 13. It says, the same day two of Jesus' followers were, making, were walking the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along there, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened over here the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said he was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. Then, the son of the son, then some woman from, from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as his woman has said. Then Jesus said, you foolish people. Don't you always love that? Thanks, Jesus. Thanks. We know. We know. You foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have suffered all of these things before entering into his glory? Then Jesus took them from the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus. 
At the end of their journey, Jesus react, uh, acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us, since it was getting late. So we went home with him. As they sat down to eat, he took bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They were they, uh, there they found the 11 disciples and others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord uh, has really risen. He appeared to Peter. And so you see this story, and from it, we're going to pick up a few things, but, but really we have to understand this one major thing, is that the resurrection is not just the resurrection of the dead, of the, the moment that we, begin to, that we meet Jesus upon our death, but there's this resurrection that, took, that takes place in the here and the now. The resurrection has implications for today as much as it has implications for eternity. And sometimes we forget this as we go about our day-to-day life. Uh, there's a deeply, deeply held belief at this, at this time that, that, that there was a resurrection that was going to take place, but it was only about the time that you died, that you'd be resurrected upon death where you'd be with God. But, but, but Jesus, when he comes to earth, he talks about something different. He talks about something different, and, and you see this in Matthew 4, where, where he's getting ready to launch into his ministry. If you could throw that verse up there on the screen in Matthew 4, um, if it's there or not. Go to the... Is, there, is it there? No, it's not there. Okay. Um, then uh, we have some other things. Anyway, well, Matthew 4, Jesus talks about how uh, if you repent and, be, and believe, that the kingdom, that you should return to God because the kingdom of God is near. So, so all of these uh, devout Jews, they, they knew that there was this moment of resurrection, that, that, that they would be in the kingdom of God, but Jesus starts talking about this fact that the kingdom is here, and it's here and now. There's something going on. And, and I, in fact, Jesus' death, upon Jesus' death, the, the, they record something really incredible happened that, the, whole, that the, the, the curtain between the Holy of Holies and the rest of the temple actually split. And that, that curtain deeply was, was believing to separate the, the holiness and the presence of God from the rest of the world. And so not only do we have access to God, but God has access all over the place. And so we have this interaction where, where now the resurrection is not just about death, but it's about life. And in fact, Jesus himself, I mean, they know this to be true. After three days, he resurrects, and he doesn't resurrect somewhere else. Where does he resurrect? Here. Isn't that weird? Like, Jesus doesn't resurrect somewhere else. He resurrects here, and he's walking on the roads, the same old roads with the same old people and the same old friends. This has deep implications for the way that we live life because there's not just a reality somewhere else, but there's a whole new reality right here in the midst of this one. See, here's the thing. Sometimes we see it this way. If you throw that, those four circles up on the screen, Chris, um, Sometimes we see it this way. We, we have that idea that earth is down here and heaven is up here. And we're trying to somehow get up there and God is somehow trying to get down here. And sometimes how, this is how we're taught, is we're saying, okay, if we, can, if we can do the right things down here, then we get up here. Or if we do the right things down here, he can come down. But it's all based off some of the right activities. But did Jesus' death and resurrection have did we have anything to do with that happening? No. 
And this whole understanding, this whole idea of the resurrection, instead of it seeing it like this, sometimes we have to see it in this new way, if we put those two circles up on the screen, we have to see it this way. That heaven and earth, not so much are this new, different reality in a completely different place, but it's kind of like these two realities interlocking. You have heaven that wants to invade earth and be a part of things. God wants to restore the world back to the way he originally intended it. And you have the earth that is just broken in sin and, and disconnected from God. But because of Jesus and his death and because of Jesus and his resurrection, we have now this ability to be already in the kingdom of God, but not yet fully realizing it. I mean, when you see this, when you understand this, you'll see this all the way throughout the Bible. Well, you have the story of Jacob in Genesis 27 where he says, he, he literally says, surely God was in this place and I did not even know it. I mean, you, some of you know that story. Maybe, maybe for you, you're in a, a death room and, you're, and so maybe someone's passing recently for you and you're saying, there's something holy about this moment. Maybe for you, it was at a wedding day with something so great, so incredible, so celebratory and you're like, oh God, there's, there's something deep and holy about this. You'll see it also where Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 13 where he says, we see dimly now, but we will see fully later. We see dimly now. We see through like a blurry glass. And all of this is the scriptures teaching us that there's this new reality that we can experience right here in the midst of this one, right here in the midst of today. It's not something that we check a box off for later, although thank God it is. But it's something where the, the heavens invade earth, where God has been trying to chase after us and be with us forever. And it's through his death and resurrection that we're able to experience it. Now, there's a, a man named Paul that, that later comes along, and, and he, this literally shapes everything for him. He's a church planter. He starts churches all across um, the, the land at this point. And, he, and he's, plant, he's, he's pastoring churches. He's helping people grow and become more like Christ. This literally is the, the, the lenses that he has on. It shapes everything for him theologically, everything for him um, in his life. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. So he's saying not only does Jesus resurrect, somehow this resurrection takes place in us. That somehow we have access to this. And so for you, you have this ability to experience a whole new way of life right here today. Just in case you make it past the stray Mack truck that goes through the parking lot. The church's reality is this. We are a part of, uh, of pointing and witnessing to this new life. See, some of you, you've come up to me recently, you say, my heart, you, you know this story in Luke 24, my heart is burning within me. I can't stop reading the scriptures. I can't stop coming. You've, you've been to church for the last 17 weeks in a row because you can't get enough. I hear about you reading personally. I, read, I hear about you uh, interacting with this communally as we gather together. Because you know what it's like to have this new resurrection, this new life birth forth from within you. And say, man, this is like a whole new thing that I've never interacted with. And so as a church, 
our whole job is to point to this new reality, that there is a whole new reality right here in the midst of this one, that we can all have new life, that this old has gone. We all have this moment before Jesus. We all have this moment after Jesus, and we all can speak to this. This is where later on in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul is going to speak about this. This is the new reality for the church. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. He's saying, okay, this whole new life, this old is gone, new has come. You are the ambassadors for it. You are the people that you're gonna spread from here. You're gonna go into all the different worlds. You're gonna speak to this new reality, that there's a whole new way of life that you can be resurrected today. You get to do that. You get to be a part of that. There's some authors that pick up on this, and I just love these quotes. I wanted to share them with you. Um, Eugene Peterson talks about it this way. Church is an appointed gathering of named people in particular places who practice a life of resurrection in a world in which death gets the biggest headlines. The practice of resurrection is an intentional, deliberate decision to believe and participate in resurrection life. Life out of death. Life that triumphs over death. Life that is the last word. Jesus' life. N.T. Wright, a theologian, uh, says it this way, our task in the present is to live as resurrection people in between Easter and the final day. It's like every single weekend we celebrate Easter, don't we? And with our Christian life, communal and individual, in both worship and mission, as a sign of the first life and a foretaste of the second life. It's this idea where heaven and earth are merging, and God is continuing to restore all things. And our job is like helping the garden grow. How many, how many love gardening in this time of year? Like three of us. Okay, amen. That's bad illustration, bad illustration. It's okay, we'll run with it, we'll run with it. Gardening is kind of like helping it flourish. We're like, we're trying to see all the raw materials of the world and we're trying to pour our life into it to see things grow. That's, that's the whole point of resurrection, this type of life. It's not about diminishing and, sp- and, and stomping out, but it's about helping people flourish and helping people grow and celebrating the joy and this new life that we have in Christ. It, it's why Christians can look out into the world and say, no, 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 death does not have the last word because we serve a God that beat death, defeated death. No, we, we can look around and we can say, no, all people have hope. All people do. We don't ever look at someone and say, you are just this and you have no hope. We aren't those people because we deeply believe that new life is possible for everyone and out of death comes life. That's who we are. These are resurrection people. And so the resurrection of Jesus has implications in new life for today. It's not something that we're just waiting to cash in on when we die. We can have a whole new way of life right now in the midst of this one. But here's the deal. You and I both know this, that as we participate in resurrection life, and man, we're coming to gatherings so that we can celebrate. We're serving in different places so that we can see life come out of death. It's why we build schools in Liberia. Why do we do that? Why? Because death doesn't have the last word there. Why do, we, why do we create environments for children to meet Jesus? Because, because life needs to come out of them. We want to introduce them to the one who is the source of their life. Why do we want to be about better brands of leadership? Why do we want to do global, the Global Leadership Summit? It's because we believe bad leadership is not the last word. 
We believe good leadership, Christ-honoring leadership, Christ-centered leadership will help this whole region flourish because we believe Jesus cares about that stuff. Not only does Jesus save us, but he serves too, and, and we participate in both saving and serving as he goes into the world, watch the world restore back to himself. And so we're participants of that. And we love this, don't we? We just love this stuff where, where God is constantly moving in our midst. But over time, the wonder starts to fade. And the realities of activity, the realities of the world, the realities of getting our kids to 16 places in three days at different times, like we need 14 of us in three cars. The fact that we have to work and the fact that we have to all, somehow our God-centered life begins to dissipate and our, our connection between God and our life begins to grow separately. And we reserve our God time for sanctuary moments like these in church. We say, okay, I'll deal with that stuff on Sunday morning because that's much easier than trying to figure out how to do all of it throughout the week. And we, we start to section it off because it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult to continue to see with resurrection eyes. But there's just a few things in here in Luke 24 that's going to teach us not just how the implications of the resurrection, but how to be shaped by the resurrection so that we can live lives as resurrection people. Are we tracking this morning? And so resurrection uh, really changes us. Number one, how do we live like Jesus is alive? And how, do we sh- how, do we be sh- how are we shaped by the resurrection? Number one is to have resurrection wonder. Resurrection wonder. Don't tell me that people have short attention spans. Don't tell me that people don't, ha- don't care a lot about things anymore. Sometimes when we talk about church, they say, oh, people have shorter attention spans, so pastors can't speak for more than 10 minutes. Or they don't, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep it moving because they, they, they just don't like to celebrate things anymore. You know why I know that's not true? Because of this picture right here. <laughs> that's how I know that that's all a bunch of lies. The World Cup has been on for the last month, and there are grown men that have watched 73 soccer games over the course of the last month and a half, and this man is wearing carrots on a hat. So don't tell me wonder is not present somehow in the midst of our world. Go to the next one. This is a six-person t-shirt. <laughs> a six-person t Six. That's half a soccer team in one t-shirt. Right, go to the next one. This is a millennial. Millennials, they don't have passion for anything, right? <laughs> That's what they say in all the books and all the articles and everyone who's not a millennial writing about millennials, you know, all those articles. That's what, this is, he's a millennial, right? And this dude, I mean, from his guts, right? Oh, and, and, our, and our team has not won anything in the World Cup, ever, ever. And this somehow is making its way to the surface of this young man's heart, right? I love these. These are my favorite. When you go to, you start, if, if you get offended at politics, I'm going to offend both of you right now. Go to the next one. This is one convention, right? This is one convention. These two women are crying, okay? Now it just got serious real quick. These two women are crying at the celebration of their candidate. All right, let that sit in one. Go to the next one. These people, people tell me all the time, no, no, pastor, men don't raise hands in church. One, (laughs) two, three, 
four, and this guy, he's walking somewhere else. I don't Why? Because something in our being, in the core of who we are, speaks to this idea of wonder. Something in the bones of our humanity says there's something bigger in life. And whether that's World Cup soccer, or that is our political candidate, or it's the New England Patriots, even after they lost in the Super Bowl the way they did. Because deep into who we are is this idea that wonder exists. Now, I love this stuff. You know why? You can go to the next one. You know why I love about, what I love about this is that resurrection life goes way past our favorite political candidate, way past our favorite sports team, way past our favorite hobby into the way we were wired. It's to be connected to a savior, to be connected to the, the creator of the universe. If you look through the story, verse 12 talks about it very clearly. It says this, however, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb. Now, it was really, it was actually very, very, uh, unaccu- very uncustomary for a man to run at all in the first century. This dude runs to the tomb. Stooping, he peeked into what he saw was an empty linen, and he leaves wondering. Think about all the emotion, all the, all the, all the craziness that's going on in this man's world right now. Everything is crashing. But all the way through Luke 24, as people interact with Jesus, you see things like perplexity, amazement, cynicism, unbelief, joy, wonder, surprise. Why? Because wonder exists at the heart of a life that's shaped by resurrection. Art and beauty and love and joy, poetry, sports games, all of these things, we're free to actually experience them at a completely different level because we have an understanding that Jesus is the resurrecting Savior, that the resurrected Christ actually breathes forth a whole new way of life right here in the midst of this one. And some of us, we kind of wait, we don't believe that wonder is a part of this type of life. We have to read the Bible with a set of lenses. God, look, help me look for resurrection. We have to go through our world looking for resurrection. Jesus will talk about it this way, where he says it's kind of like a treasure in a field. We need to, we need to dig it up and find it, and eventually, you know what we do? We go is we sell everything that we have in order to get the field with the treasure. He tells parables where he said, you know, it's like a pearl in the land and you dig it up and you begin to find out that it's worth everything that you've ever had. Resurrection wonder will help you experience life at a much deeper level. Help you experience life the way God created you to experience it. And it's not reserved just for Sunday. And so you have this idea that you can be shaped by resurrection wonder. Um, resurrection, number two, it, to be shaped by the resurrection, you have to res- have resurrection rhythms. Resurrection rhythms. Verse 17, he, they talk about this real fast. He says this, he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? I, I mean, they're walking. Is there anything more normal than going for a walk? W- where do they realize that Jesus resurrected from the dead? What were they doing? Eating. Is there anything more normal than the three meals a day that you have? 
No. Why? Because a lot of times we save all of the spiritual activity for big events. But resurrection invades the most normal of moments. You know, it's that moment when you're watching your kid and you start crying for no reason at all. Have you ever been there? You're like, why am I crying right now? It's those moments when you're in worship and you just overcome by the goodness and the grace of God. There's not an event. It's when you're eating dinner and you're with your family. And sometimes as families, we don't get to have dinner but once or twice a week together. Aim for three or four times a week and just make it a part of your spiritual life. Let's talk about the things of God. Let's talk about the things of... of so a lot of times we wait for retreats to kind of catch up on all of the things that we can in order to grow in God. But he wants to walk with you every moment of your normal day. And he wants to eat dinner with you. And he wants to start your day off with you. He wants to end your day with you. Jesus is just walking alongside of us every single day. We need to have resurrection eyes to see his activity in our life every moment of every day. We have to have resurrection rhythms. Number three is we have to have resurrection, we are resurrection people. We are resurrection people. So, so these followers of Jesus, they meet Jesus, uh, they, they meet him along the path, walking back home. They eat dinner with him. And then in verse 31, this is what happens. After he breaks bread, which we're going to have an opportunity to do here in a second, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. So Jesus is eating dinner with them and he breaks bread and they realize he's the resurrected Christ. Notice how there's no bullying there. There's no coercion. He's not trying to twist anyone's arm. What he's doing is he's walking with you and talking with you so that you can become a resurrection person. See, some of you in here right now, you've been, you may be kind of like this family or these, these followers here. You've been in the presence of the resurrected Christ for hours, maybe days or even years, and you have not recognized him yet. And I believe at one point Jesus wants you to see him, not just for a God to, not just for a, a church to be attended, but a God to be worshipped. I believe he wants to meet you personally so that you can become a resurrection person. So we can have resurrection uh, rhythms and we can have resurrection wonder so that we can become resurrection people. Uh, there's, there's just people everywhere in these stories. This isn't reserved for one person. There's community and love and joy all, all across the point. But you have resurrection rhythms and people and wonder. But you know, it doesn't stop there. Because the book of Luke actually connects to another book. It's called the book of Acts. And, and from there, we can recognize this one thing, that not only do we have resurrection hope, uh, resurrection people and rhythms and wonder, but we can have resurrection hope. That the resurrection means something, not just for today, but actually for later in life as well. At, at one point, these followers, right, before, right, right after this, they see, they see Jesus, they actually see him ascend into heaven. And he says, hey, stay here. Uh, I'm going to come back. I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit so you can be my witnesses here on earth. But I'm going to return again. 
Actually, in John 11, this is what Jesus says. Um, if you throw that up on the screen as well. It says, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. And I love this. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. And so you have not only this concept of, of experiencing resurrection all over our time, we can look forward to it much later. I, 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 I want to be just your pastor for a second. Is that okay? I don't know, some of, for some of you. Um, I've been talking to a lot of you over the last couple of months, and I just feel like we're in a season where a lot of you are experiencing loss. Just I hear story, story, story. My, my father, my mother, my wife, my kid, my in-laws, my cousin, my, every, I feel like I hear this story over and over and over again. Even our, our friend Doug uh, uh, Veronesi and his son, sure, uh, they lost their, their mother, Shirley, recently. Suddenly, uh, the Dedelukas, we think about you guys. I, I just think I hear about these things over and over and over again. But what sets us apart as people and why Jesus not only is shaping us today, but he's saying we can even grieve differently because we have a hope. We have a hope that changes everything about the way that we see the world. And so the resurrection of Jesus matters. It helps us live life, but it helps us see what comes next in a much new and different way. And so this morning, here's, here's the thought, is we want to have a resurrection life today. Here's how we celebrate this as a church. And this, maybe this is your next step, is through baptism. And through baptism, we have this whole idea that we can celebrate someone who goes from old life to new life. And if you haven't been baptized as an adult, maybe you were baptized as a, as a child at another church or uh, another, another string of Christianity, um, we need to have a, a group of people that are constantly taking this next step. If you are an adult and you've never been baptized, we, need to, we want to celebrate with you. It's actually a step of, of uh, it's actually a step, uh, a, a first step of obedience in the, in the scriptures that we actually tell people and celebrate on a public level what, it, what God has been doing inside of us. And so we're actually going to have a baptism in a few weeks, man. We'd love for you to sign up. You can sign up today at the Connections Desk or online. You can do that, take care of all that. But it's actually a step of baptism, to sell, a step of celebration so that we can live out and be a part of this resurrection community. After you become a follower of Christ, we want to tell everybody about it. And so here's the, here's the whole thing. As followers of Jesus, the resurrection takes place. It takes place here. And so it can change everything about the way that we see the world today. And it changes everything about where we go when we begin to meet Jesus. And so for you today, um, one, where are you? Are you still in old life? You haven't become new yet? You can do that by meeting Jesus. And today, I don't know where, where you're at. A lot of you have been attending for a long time, maybe. Maybe you're kind of like these followers of Jesus that have been, they were walking with him for hours and they didn't know it was him. Man, I would love to invite you to become a new person today. 
for you, maybe, maybe you're, you're like the person that always sees resurrection later. Man, I just need to make sure that this world, that my next life is taken care of. We, we forget to see resurre- with resurrection eyes today. Maybe you're the type of person that says, ah, oh, you kind of write people off. You're like, ah, oh, they're never going to change. Or, oh, the, man, this person, they just, they're terrible. But resurrection people, we always see life coming out of death. Maybe for you, it's, it's more about mission. And, and you love to worship on a Sunday or on a weekend. Maybe you like to connect in your community group. But you're not a full participant in the resurrection today. By serving somewhere or by volunteering in a new way, maybe just participating in mission, maybe giving of your resources to see something take place. We are people that are shaped by the resurrection of Jesus. And so today, we're going to have this opportunity to take communion together. And what we want to do is we take communion, we want to celebrate this idea that the death and the resurrection of Jesus is our center point. It's everything that we are. It's everything of, of who we are. It's the centering point for our whole life. As followers of Jesus, we are, are, we are Christian, we are identified primarily by God and his creation for us. And the world invites us to become all parts of different things and all parts of different ways. Um, but, but Christianity and, and Jesus keeps us centered onto who we were created to be. And so we want to celebrate that together today. So we're going to pray. The ushers are going to release you by rose uh, to come up and grab uh, communion. And then we're going to continue on.